Hello, baseball fans. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day. Free and available wherever it is that you might get podcasts. Uh, whatever service, anywhere you can get uh, a podcast, you will find us completely free. So make sure to tune in daily. Help out the show by downloading daily, uh, writing a review. All of those good things are so helpful to help our show grow. And it is our show. I always share as we move up in the rankings and do well. It's a little bit harder now that we're not every day. We're not cranking into that top 50 like we had that final, what, the final week in December, second to last week of December when we sat back and were able to do uh, what, 46th overall? That was quite an accomplishment by all the Locked On Guardians listeners. We're going to start out with some mailbag. Uh, just going to, after that, talk about some things that I'm kind of noticing in general across the sport of baseball. And then come back around to, we know the Guardians need outfield help. Let's let's kind of take some second or third looks. I've discussed some teams, but I was reading some stuff this weekend. It really made me think that I was kind of overlooking your squad or there's a team that maybe... I gave short shrift to that would actually make a ton of sense in terms of what the guardians have and what that organization does not. In other words, the depth of talent that the guardians have matches up well with another organization. So we'll get into all of that uh, today. Uh, We should probably just, you know, is there much more to talk about the CBA? Uh, I was trying to think when we last talked, it's, I think last, last I left you, the owners asked for a mediator. The players have rejected it. The players' whole stance at this point in time is, we don't need a mediator. You said you were going to give us a proper counter offer. Just come to the table. And this is where it gets interesting because, yeah, I mean, the, the owners aren't being uh, genuine. Genuous? They're being disingenuous is what they're being because they're not really trying, right? Six weeks, no chats after they locked everyone out. Uh, they're not making any counter proposals. They're saying they're going to give a counter proposal instead. Uh, reach out to a mediator. Players are like, just sit down. Like right now, the owners look like jerks. Like there's no other way around it. Like I, you know, I had my whole big rant on uh, the Twitter verse where it's like, you know, it, basically at the end of the day, both sides are going to lose as this extends on. And I, the owners, you just can't be a jerk. Like don't do that because you'll win long term. There has never been a work stoppage or shortage, even though the owners locked out the players, where it doesn't shift on the players. Because the players are always the ones that's viewed like, why is the sport rising in cost, this or that? Um, whereas you can actually see that the average player salary has gone down. So the owners are milking every last dime out of baseball. I mean, they are, we're supposed to say neutral, so I'm going to say as neutral as I can. But um, I don't think they're doing right by baseball. And when you act the way they're acting they're making it very easy for the players to um to to rally people behind them they're making it very easy to lose the biggest advantage they have which is the fact that historically the players always end up looking like the villains like you can go back and the fact that that baseball is the only major uncapped sport is one of those things that uh, a lot of fans still regret to this day so yeah, that's, that's kind of our daily CBA part here is the owners are making some poor choices uh, that they need to actually make an attempt at uh, this whole thing. Right now, they're clearly not even trying. There is no attempt being made. There is no nothing being made. They are just sitting back uh, and refusing to negotiate. And that's the situation right now. It is essentially a refusal to negotiate on the aspect of the owners. It just it doesn't look good. They are 
taking a situation and making it very easy to point uh, to paint them as the villains and they need to to do something they need to sit down and make a counter proposal because the players have countered their own offer but they have not had anything from the owners and the owners so far they locked the players out wouldn't talk to them for six weeks uh, promised a counter proposal that they did not give asked for mediation the players uh, refused to give mediation because like we haven't even negotiated yet how can we have mediation if we don't even have a counter suit from or counter proposal from you and then it came you know then the owner's like well they won't accept the media it's like <laughs> You guys didn't go through on what you wanted, or what you promised, I should say. So that is our daily CBA talk. Um, spring training is not happening on time. Let's just get that out of the way. Spring training is going to be delayed. That likely means the season, unless it is shortened, will likely be delayed. Uh, decent chance that we might have a shortened season. We'll have to see. Now, spring training is never-ending, it feels like, so they still have some more wiggle. But that wiggle is starting to go away in terms of loss of season, loss of games. So just kind of keep that in mind that we are starting to enter the point where things are going away. They have lost spring training. Now, that is a minor source of revenue, but that is some revenue going away. Uh, That is paychecks are not appearing. Now, I am curious. We're saying there's no spring training. There might be spring training. Uh, You're just saying, hey, you just said there's no spring training. There's no major league spring training. But might they attempt to do a spring training with... Minor league guys, players who are not on the 40-man roster, players who are not part of the Major League Players Association, they might. You could do a spring training with essentially triple and double A guys, get them extra reps, have your coaches out there working with them, get you know some of those uh, young pitchers, young hitters, some really uh, get them major league coaching. You know, not to say the guys in the minors aren't good, but get that additional depth of coaching. I would not be surprised if we see a lot of that happening. I don't think we'll see something where we end up having. Um, uh, scab workers is that still something we can say i don't think we'll see that but minor league players are under their own collective bargaining agreement they are their own thing i don't see them especially with as little as they make not showing up Uh, they're the ones right now who you know if they get that additional time that's additional pay uh, everything else i I don't think they'll have solidarity necessarily uh, nor should they because right now they're not part of the union that is locked out so we still might see a on-time spring training. It might be only double and triple-A players not on the 40-man roster. But that could be the benefit of these guys. It could be the benefit of an Oscar Gonzalez who's close to get a few more reps and opportunities and like first-hand coaching and observation. So for some of those players who are not on the 40-man, now what's crazy is you might get a spring training with those guys and then still have the Rule 5 draft after that. Because remember, we've not had a Rule 5 draft. Once all this gets figured out, I don't know if they cancel it this year or what they do, but you could sit there and see Oscar Gonzalez play really well in spring training and then lose him in the Rule 5 unless they cancel it. It's something interesting to pay attention to and think about. There's a lot that could potentially happen right now. There's just so many unknowns at the core heart of all of this. Like I said, we don't know. Are they going to cancel the Rule 5? Will the Rule 5 happen much later? Could you have a mid-season Rule 5? That would be interesting. That would be kind of fascinating if the Rule 5 happened in the middle of the year where you could plunder talent and try to make your team better and or give opportunities. Uh, I don't know. Part of me thinks the Rule 5 might end up being canceled. Part of me thinks that spring training might be delayed at least because uh, owners know players will get PO'd if there is one with minor league players. But at the same time, it does seem like the owners just don't care. So I would not be surprised if there is some kind of minor league spring training. I would keep your eyes peeled for that because, again, then they could still get revenue from spring training, people going to games and the like. It's not a huge amount of revenue, but all lost revenue is an issue. Uh, I'm sure it'll be something that'll get brought up. But yeah, as of now, major league spring training, that's going to start late. And we'll see the overall effects on that. 
But uh, come back, segment two. We're going to do some mailbag, and then we will come back in segment three and talk about a team where the Indians match up fantastically. First sponsor is built. They actually say in our points here, like, you can just, you know, make it personal. So I'm not going to read the ad. I'm going to go right to BuiltBar.com, talk about the fact that this is a product I do daily. It is a product I have every day during the week. It's my go-to for breakfast. Often it's my go-to for lunch as well. It's because it's a delicious tasting bar that in my health food app gives me an A rating. And sometimes, you know, if anyone out there tries a health food app, you put in like two, three, (laughs) the rating drops because of the sugars and all the negative stuff in there. You can put in like three of these bars. I have had up to three of these bars for lunch. And the rating stays A's. It is healthy for you. It is fantastic tasting. They're always changing up the flavors. There's always fun limited editions. White chocolate cookies and cream, lemon dip cheesecake, uh, coconut brownie chunk, coconut almond. And I always highlight right now Caramel Almond Delight, which is one I recently bought, eggnog, which I'm very tempted to buy, and Caramel Macchiato, which I'm also very tempted to buy, are on sale. So when you see something on sale at BuiltBar.com, that means you can save an additional 15% when you use the promo code LOCKED15. So not only are you getting them on sale, but then you're saving additional money. So go to BuiltBar.com today. Remember that promo code is LOCKED15. This episode is brought to you in part by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions? Is your, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? Wait for the person behind the counter to order the parts on their computer, choosing only their brand for their warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com and at home or in your pocket. Save time and money using Rock Auto. Why spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same part from a chain store or car dealership? It's a family-owned business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. You have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And remember, even if you are someone like me who doesn't know cars, you can save money on simple things like filters and windshield wipers. Go and explore their easy-to-navigate website and find the parts you need. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the How'd You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selections, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So now it is time for some mailbag. Let's get into it. I've been saving these questions up uh, with all, all sorts of information. It's also amazing the amount of things I've saved in here. i just like, okay, I should probably click off some of these that I've used for other shows. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, in general, I think when we're going through, it's always nice to have you, the listeners take part. Remember to hit me up on my Twitter at Jeff MLB draft. Uh, it's just helps you drive the show. So let's go with at Anthony Pruinski and always again, tell me if I'm butchering your name because I probably am at Tony M U O M U O D. Minor leaguers most likely to be traded this offseason to get major league assets, assuming owners and players agree on a CBA. Uh, depending on your thoughts on Gabriel Arias, like to me, I'm like, he played so well. You know, he seemed like the centerpiece of the Clevenger trade. His value has only gone up, we think. You know, his value is kind of all over the place. Uh, but a lot of people think he'll be traded. And I get, again, there is that component of people who say that like the swing is too grooved to be successful. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, just looking at the team, you have to assume it's going to be some of that up the middle talent. Jose Tenya is, you know, he was a top 100 in Keith Law's list, and but he's already on the 40 man. You're burning through option years. He's so far behind other players. Uh, the ones you can eliminate are Freeman and Jones because they're hurt. You can probably eliminate your highest tier guys like Brian Rocchio. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what the view internally on Daniel Espino is. 
But, you know, when we look at guys like Rocchio, Valera, those guys are probably out. Um, yeah, it's interesting in that perspective. It's like if I went to the MLB site, I don't know if they've updated their top prospects, but uh, what the overall views. It is a a top prospects uh, that's very – there's a lot of room for debate. Let's put it that way. There's a lot of different feelings. I don't think there's any consensus when it comes to the Guardians' top prospect listing anywhere. And maybe, you know, just pulling up my own list, I, you know, Jose Tenya is probably the one that makes the most sense. Uh, maybe someone like Angel Martinez, who's, you know, still very well thought of, a high prospect, but would need to be added next year. Like I said, we need to start looking at the 2023 Rule 5 list because that's where you're going to find some guys uh, that make a lot of sense to get moved and or traded. Tenya is probably the one, though, that I'm most on. Hiram asks, uh, you always say the Guardians are good at fixing mechanics, but then say they aren't. You say the goods aren't good at fixing mechanics, but then say the Guardians are good at making guys better. Isn't fixing mechanics part of making guys better? They're good at making guys find an extra gear. They're good at helping pitchers gain velocity. They're good at like cleaning up rotations, helping them in terms of pitch development mix and in pitch develop, uh, you know, the development of those pitches. They aren't good in the refinement. They don't have a lot of guys who come in, you know, like, I mean, James Karinchok is their most successful story of the last five, 10 years in terms of a guy who just was incredibly wild. It's Karinchok and Clevenger. And before them, I mean, Bauer, to whatever degree he is. I mean, those are the guys who came in who had control issues. Most of the guys who have control issues haven't actually gotten better here. So that's what I mean. It's, they seem to, and they know this. I mean, I know Hiram here is trying to, with the multiple question marks, be like, you know, what you're saying doesn't make sense. It does because they targeted specifically players who fit this approach, this model I talked about, guys who already have uh, good control rates, good command, and maybe could add more. That was what they drafted all of last year's draft. That's what they drafted the year before. That's what Logan Allen the Younger was. This is what they do well with. This is what they know. That is what I mean. At Bill uh, Stoffer at TribeFran145, who do you project to be the starting left and right fielder on opening day? Same question in September. So it comes down to health, right? Like who do we think is going to be readily available? I think knowing Tito, you're probably going to have, I still think there's a market for Samar. I still think he's here because they're hoping to trade him rather than carry that contract and pay him close to $2 million. So I still think he gets traded out. Uh, can I say right fielder is someone who isn't in camp? Can I do that? Can we say that the right fielder is someone who's currently not in camp with your um, Cleveland Guardians? I don't think Josh Naylor will be healthy enough to play in left field. So it comes down to, you know, in left field, if we assume Zimmer's traded, that whoever's in right field is someone who is not currently in camp, then who is the the left fielder, right? Is it Steve Kwan? Is it Richie Palacios? I'm going to go with Palacios over Kwan. Now, that might be surprising, but... Palacios played so well in the AFL with all the, he's the better athlete of the two. He's got a better arm. Uh, a lot of those qualities, I think, I think both get opportunities this year. And uh, let's see. And, you know, Quan's a lefty and is Palacios um, also a lefty, I believe. So you're not, you're not getting a change there. You can't platoon him. Um, I just think he's a better athlete. I think he makes a little more sense in left um, overall. So that's where I kind of line up on the outfield end of the year. Uh, may not be what people want to hear, but it's, I, I don't think you see George Valera this year up with the team. I don't think that's coming. I don't think that's their approach. Uh, they have never been overly aggressive in promotion of their players. So I think end of the year, 
we see Nolan Jones in uh, in le- left or right potentially. Uh, I think we have whoever the outside organizational ad is in the other corner outfield, um, and I know that means that we're expecting Palacios and Quan to not get a spot, not clear a spot. Um, potentially, they might if one of them plays well, they might stick there, and then uh, Jones takes over at first base. I just I think. As of now, we don't have anything where I feel like, yep, we we have 100% an answer when it comes to any of those positions, when it comes to the uh, Cleveland Guardians long-term. Hiram followed back up with, that's a but more specific and could be right. You made a broader comment earlier when you said fixing covers all of the above fixing. They did fix Bowers' issues and Cookie Monster off top of head. Logan Allen will be an interesting case. Uh, Bauer... I mean, he still had his command issues even when he left. It was never, like, super... And, and uh, with uh, Cookie Carrasco, there was so much else going on. Like, he was he was one of those guys that really kind of almost rebuilt from the ground up. When you look at the recent guys, there has not been a success with it. I mean, Logan S. Allen... <sighs> Logan Allen, the elder. I make that sound because, honestly, this is what it comes down to. It's we don't have the data. When we got Logan S. Allen, I wrote, it's a great deal. He's going to be a, you know, a number five... Uh, left-handed starter without any problems very quickly. He's got, you know, the above average. You know, I always get these confused in my head. I want to say it was a change. I could be wrong. Maybe it's the curve. But he and he, he threw in the low 90s, and he got guys out. Well, it's a pretty straight fastball. That's what it comes down to. It's The fastball is a below-average pitch. I don't think you can really fix Logan S. Allen. He's a lefty. Uh, you know, he came to camp last year, best shape of his life, throwing his best velocity. People still picked it up incredibly easily. I think, you know, he's one of those players that as we get more data and we get more information, they just don't get valued as much. Like, that's just kind of my understanding, my view on this, that, you know, now we can look at the data ahead of time and be like, okay, Logan S. Allen, he, it's a straight fastball. It's not, there's not a lot of spin to it. It's easy to pick up. Uh, the secondary offering is fine, but when the fastball is what it is, it's going to be a 40-grade pitch. You can't succeed with a 40-grade pitch, even as a lefty, when uh, you just have the one other above average borderline plus pitch and our last question uh from tony fire emoji at unc unc jb24 uh this was more of a question relating to when i talked about the changes to the draft if you want to go back and listen to that episode where i discussed why the players uh, associations offer would actually help the guardians quite a bit uh is the trade-off for only five years of free agency protections out of six would you which would you rather have if you're cleveland more draft picks uh, but your successful players can leave a year earlier. I think I like six years of protection more. Uh, so just as a follow-up to that, no, you definitely want the extra year because it's a known versus an unknown. An extra pick, yeah, you could potentially get six years of control of a new guy or five years of control. But would I rather trade one known versus five unknowns when it's not like it's not like you're getting a top-of-the-first-round pick? I mean, don't get me wrong. The picks are valuable. But the farther you get down the draft the less certainty there is in players. And that's just the way it is. I would not trade five years of uncertainty for one year of known. That is my general view. So it's time for that last commercial break. After this, uh, we're going to come back and I'm going to talk about that team that I think matches up really well with your Cleveland Guardians and why it is you should be paying attention to the Guardians uh, and this team. And we want to remind you that uh, Super Week is brought to you by GetUpside. And there's no better place to get coverage of the big game then Locked On NFL Podcast, Locked On Bengals, and Locked On Rams. They're in L.A. all week covering the big game. 
And our sponsor, speaking of covering big games, Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through the playoffs, right to the big game, what, this week? BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just football. BetOnline has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing. Offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online, where the game starts. So it's kind of interesting right now if you are a Guardians fan. We've seen a lot of teams do like minor league signings and all these other things. Uh, Guardians have been very quiet. (laughs) Haven't really been doing much of anything. Uh, But as you go around and you see news, you know, going out or filtering out a little bit here or there, I think there is one team that makes sense. It's a team we've talked about many, many times before. Uh, and that's the Baltimore Orioles. And I was reading a thing about how Anthony Santander is on the trade block. I, you know, I don't even know what to think about Santander right now. Uh, it was another down year for him. And with his defensive issues and some of the other things, you know, it, it's hard to guess. And they're they're an interesting team from the perspective of, you know, you have Trey Mancini, who's probably going to be the DH and is in his walk year. You have Cedric Mullins, who which should cost, you know, the moon to acquire. So who else is in place for them? Well, Ryan Mountcastle is another young player who solidified himself at first. The outfield also has Austin Hayes, the third round pick who's been like a top five prospect for a few years. I think he'll turn 27 this year. And then you have kind of that next grouping that they have to figure out, right? You have Santander, DJ Stewart, who I've mentioned many times, Florida state prospect, Ryan McKenna, who is was he from like New Hampshire who's an interesting guy back in the day. And then Jorge Mateo, who they got. Mateo keeps bouncing around. I've liked him dating back to his Yankees days. And he wasn't too bad this past year. You know, it was worth half a war. His runs created plus was only an 83, but he's kind of, he's not ideal for the, the Guardians, but you look at the speed center field stuff. Like he's a decent uh, decent value for a team that needs like a, just to try something in center field. Uh, McKenna, it's been a little up and down throughout his time in the minors. Uh, when he's had the extended shots, he's been about league average. Question is, can he maintain that? I don't know. Uh, I did. I liked him quite a bit back when he was a, you know, a, a draft eligible prospect. And Stewart just keeps performing. Like, yeah, it was a 94 runs created plus last year, uh, a 204 average. That's a problem. He just doesn't make enough contact. He walks a ton. 12 home runs. Like he's about a league average bat. He's not a good defender. I don't know what you do with that former first round pick. And then, but Santander was, you know, about a league average bat last year. Uh, and this is what it comes down to. So you look at the two years, 2019, 2021, about league average with bad defense. So he ends up with, you know, a war value that's under one. Last year, fantastic in 37 games. So do we look at the data and just say that this is a guy who is not good enough that you know he was at this small stretch and he was able to be effective potentially i mean that's the thing we look at the data and there's just not enough there baltimore's top prospects when you're looking at it you know you're obviously not trying to acquire adley rushman or you know some of their other outfield guys you know with heston jerstad i mean what a i don't want to call it a swing and a miss but that's been brutal uh with him missing the time due to injury and the miss his draft year being the draft year where uh, everything was shut down I mean, he is, he was a very high draft pick, second overall pick in the draft, viewed as a reach at the time, has not played at all. No games played because of uh, injuries. 
Uh, I mean, that's just, that is not what you want with the second overall pick. And then this past year, uh, I mean, I was probably the high man on Colton Kowser. I really liked him. I did not have him going that high. And then the Orioles got, you know, hosed because they saved that extra money when they take, took Kowser early. Um, and were all set to take Jude Fabian and the Red Sox drafted Jude Fabian with bad faith, uh, refusing to uh, honor what he had requested as a signing bonus and essentially blocking the Orioles from getting him and hoping that they could force Fabian's hand that, you know, he, he would take a lesser amount of money because it was that a return to school. Uh, you know, the, my favorite, one of my favorite prospects in baseball, Taron Bavra is still there. One of the underrated guys who is go look up his numbers. There were some health issues last year. Didn't get uh, as many at-bats as you'd like to see. Only 45 games played, but he's kind of like a runs created plus. Last year was his was his worst one over an extended season at 130. More of a second baseman type. But the point is with Baltimore, it's like if you think Santander could be the option, if you think that you know, Trey Mancini is a hard situation, uh, one, the Guardians don't like rentals, and two, after his return from cancer, it's like can they really trade him the next year? Potentially, I mean, this past year is a 105 runs created plus. He wasn't as good as he had been. You know, he took off all of 2020 with his cancer diagnosis. Uh, so a player who's been quite good, but is entering his age 30 year and is potentially showing some signs of age. Would they flip him? Could they flip him? And if you're the Guardians, would you consider it? Uh, Austin Hayes is the other guy who's interesting. It's like where there have been people who thought he could play center field. Um, he's a really good athlete. There's also been people who thought that, you know, he's maybe going to get, you know, what's the old expression? Like his base would get thicker and, uh, he might move to a corner position last year at age 25. If you weren't paying attention, he had 256, a 308 on base, a 461 slugging with 22 home runs, a 106 run runs created plus and a positive 1.7 war. He was so overshadowed by Cedric Mullins that, he was almost an afterthought, even though he was good. Now, he did have um, surgery this offseason. Everyone thought he'd be fine. To, you know, it was an issue with his core muscle, which is scary. But everyone thought he should be back and fine. Projects to be a 2.4, or no, was a 2.4 war player last year. Steam Zips projects him to be worth about two war this year, but they see his defense dropping significantly. Uh, if the offensive line holds up, and the other thing, it's like, honestly, when you're looking and talking about team control on a player like this, it's the same thing we've talked about in terms of Cedric Mullins, right? Like one of the big reasons Mullins has value is he's this up the middle athlete who you have control of for multiple years. Austin Hayes has been up and down at points. He debuted back in 2017, but he still would not, you would have him for 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025. He still has four more years of team control. He's not even arbitration eligible until next offseason. Uh, if you look over here on baseball reference, they gave him 3.1 war for his overall value, an OPS plus of 106, so right in line with his runs created plus. He might be cheaper to acquire than Mullins. We all fixate on Cedric Mullins, rightfully so, because he was one of the best outfielders in baseball last year. But if you are Baltimore and you believe in your young guys, you've spent high draft picks on, on Kowser and Juristad, you've got Santander who you want his re value to rebound, uh, you have the Trey Mancini situation, you already have Mullins who you're probably going to look to hold on to unless you get blown over. So you already have Hayes playing you know, in left field and you've got all those other players. You're not particularly close, right? Might you look to 
could you talk yourself into selling high? Now, if you're someone out there like, why do I want to buy high? You know, 2019, it was only 21 games, 75 plate appearances, a 146. In 2020, it was 134 plate appearances, a 96 run created plus. So there's data to show that he has been productive. That's there. And this past year, now his baseball savant data, max exit velocity, he actually had like a low average exit velocity, low walk rate. Sprint speed wasn't great. His outfield jump, his outfield's above, his outs above average. Nothing was too great here. So there's also that if you are the Baltimore Orioles and you're looking at like advanced data and you're looking at some of his percentile rankings, there's some thoughts that he could decline. Uh, if you are someone who's always liked, and, and this doesn't look like the athletic profile of the guy who's always been called, dating back to his days at the University of Jacksonville when he was considered a potential first rounder, went in the third. Uh, you know when he was viewed as this, you know, athlete. Like the data doesn't necessarily show that. Uh, it shows that he does some things well, but a lot of areas where there could be some regression. You know why is Baltimore the perfect matchup? For all of the rebuilding, all of their high picks, everything they've done, they don't have a shortstop in system. Gunnar Henderson was a shortstop out of high school. He's a third baseman now. Uh, Jordan Westberg, second baseman outfielder. Taryn Vavra, second baseman, third base. They have never, like I thought for sure last year would be the year they'd finally go up the middle. Uh, but they have just gone with college productive bats and they've been spreading their bonuses around and they still don't have outfield or outfield shortstop prospects. Uh, now they're also a team where you could get together and try to figure out a deal where, I mean, they're always manipulating their um, their roster, but they can absorb a few players. They're not hurting that much uh, in terms of, you know, the 40-man. They're not under the crunch of maybe some other teams. Because honestly, they keep, uh, they keep just letting players go. You know, they don't hold on to guys. They hold on to them, see if they can trade them. But, you know, think about Jonathan Villar, where he had that good year, and then they just... They couldn't find a market, uh, marketable trade for him, and they moved on. If we want to look at the flawed but interesting uh, MLB trade site, 19.4 value for Hayes. Uh, so you're going to have to trade you know, a player of value from the Indians. And again, Tenya looks like he can handle short. And if you believe that he can be a shortstop, then all of a sudden I think he makes a lot of sense in a trade like this because he is so far away. Uh, he is a guy who is stuck in the pipeline. Let's look the other way. Let's say they decide that, you know, Arias is blocked. He's the guy who's out there. Right now, Arias has a higher value than uh, than Hayes. Uh, looking over at Baltimore, it's like, could the Indians potentially get a relief arm back? Is there someone useful to consider? Could they get old friend? Let's start out there. Cole Solcer. Remember, uh, we've talked about him multiple times on the show. He was really good last year. Uh, after bouncing from the Indians to the Rays, being designated for assignment and getting a chance with the Orioles. I mean, he is 31 years of age. You would get him for team control. Uh, he's not a free agent until 2025 either. And his FIP in 2020 was not great. But this year, the FIP and the XFIP were both solid. Now, I don't love XFIP because one of his values in his FIP is the low home run rate. He missed bats. He didn't walk a lot of guys. Uh, in terms of his cost and one of those trade values, again, very flawed way of looking at it. But, you know, I, I still think bullpen is an area they could use some help. And if we're looking at an overall trade value of Hayes and Solcer, Solcer, man, I can't say his name, uh, for Gabriel Arias, who is blocked, you're looking at a 22.7 uh, going from Baltimore for a 21.8, about a one point differential. Maybe you throw him 
uh, Oscar Mercado as well as that like one point. I don't know if Mercado has any value, but there was some talk, um, you know, that at one point in time of Mercado to Baltimore. He's worth a 1.4. So that balances you out uh, two roster spots for two roster spots. Uh, they get another player. I mean, if they can fix Mercado, work their way some magic with him, all of a sudden he becomes a very tradable asset. They get a young shortstop who they can put in now uh, and replace and start as this core is finally starting to hit. Again, they don't have any shortstops in system. Uh, uh, Ramon Urias is their current starting shortstop who has bounced around a few spots. St. Louis, uh, Texas, Baltimore. I spent some time in the Mexican League. He's, I don't think he's anyone's option. Let's see, what did he do for them last year? Uh, 115 runs created plus and 85 plate appearances. So, I mean, at least he did something. He was interesting, 1.6 war. He was not bad. Let's put it that way. Uh, I don't know how much you trust him uh, as a 27-year-old having a breakout. But let, let's say at the end of the day, I know they brought in uh, Rafa Nodur. You could still play Arias at third base over, say, Kelvin Gutierrez have Arias at shortstop and make him your shortstop of the future. The Indians get the outfielder. They get the reliever. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter. This one has gone long at Jeff MLB draft. And as I say now, go, go guardians, go.